11, 12. Yes, of course oh, we are. Oh, God, why didn't you say that? <laughs> sorry, everybody. Bit, bit, sorry, sorry. Good morning, everybody. Oh, Welcome. Because you were just counting. I apologise for just occupying people your will, space. Oh, God. <laughs> so, no, I mean, take your space. Take your space just and Just take your space. Own it. Don't be ashamed. You know this take your space thing? <sighs> yeah. It's very American. We think of it as being very American. Yeah. Take your space, right? Yeah. And I think most of us cringe a bit at it, get right armpit, feel it's a bit like uncomfortable. It's like hug the child within and all that. No, it's just to not be apologetic for yourself, to not yeah. apologise for yourself, which is, again, very British, isn't it? Well, I think the Brits divide into two. Those who apologise for themselves doff their cap and are, thank you, mum, and those who invade other countries and conquer the world. It's weird when you see your own, you know, when you see, you know, we've got daughters and when you see them growing up <laughs> and you see them doing that thing and it realises how you, and it makes me realise how I used to do it. I would apologise for, for the very thing of being there, do you know mm. what I mean? Well, this speaks to a little bit of the story that we had on the side burner, Kate Winslet talking about fat shaming and how youngsters have more of an opportunity to kind of, or, or it feels like youngsters will draw the boundaries of what they'll accept and what they won't accept. Though, if that's true, why are mental health crisis issues for youngsters higher than ever? Maybe it's because we've got more of the speak, but actually not the actual belief and the feeling. I'm beginning to worry that no story we ever read has any validity or any basis <laughs> in anything consistent or, or scientific. It, it's always about a specimen of people, isn't it? I mean, everything yeah. is about a specimen of people. And doesn't really, does anyone ever feel that? Does anyone else feel a disconnect between the stories about life and what your life is? It's like Nicola, <laughs> Randall, I need to get better at not apologising for absolutely nothing. It's so true. My therapist says to me, I need really to stop saying sorry all the time. Yeah, I say it to you all the time as well. Mm. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe you had to say... Sorry my mum does a it a lot because it, it's not and I don't mean this in a kind of because you haven't done anything that necessitates an apology so you're not saying it for any other reason it's like an OCD nervous tick yeah do you know what I mean and though you don't mean it it can be quite it's quite Zoe's just said oh my god where is the ski lodge <laughs> yeah. you'll find out good on question the vlog. bloody good question um, yeah, it's it's like it for the person that is all you're all, like okay, me and you. When you yes. say it, I really, really don't like it. Do you because, want to punch me? No, but it makes me. It just makes me sad, and it makes me feel like I've got to fix something oh. that I didn't know was there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, sorry. And it's like, oh God, why? Why did you say sorry? What? What you do? It sort of breaks up the flow of. Things. I think it can be used in an incredibly passive-aggressive fashion yeah. to make other people feel like they've done something wrong to reassure people and to reassure because they want reassurance all the time does anyone here feel like you can occupy your space i mean obviously we all occupy us but don't you find that weird when you think that you occupy a space but when you die that space is gone no because your energy is still there isn't no, it but what, can't I, kill yeah, energy. But if we if okay let's go to the bath analogy of displacement so you put something large in a bath that's full to the top and it spills over the edge yeah we're all in the world and we're, we're being squeezed into ever less space. So when we go, where getting, do we go? I think we've gone a bit too random. Oh, God. If I'm honest. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. <laughs> so what we're we going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about some pretty heavy shit, actually. Um, we're going to be talking about the tragic story of the US airman who um, 
self-emoliated. Is it self-emoliation rather mm. than emoliation? Mm. Um, this is Aaron Bushnell, who ignited himself outside the Israeli embassy in Washington in protest at Israel's war on Gaza, saying he didn't want to be part of a genocide. We're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about. The challenges that presents to us. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be talking briefly about Taylor Swift's dad uh, getting involved in a punch-up, protecting his daughter. So have a think about things that your parents have done on your behalf that might be either a little bit embarrassing or, thank God, they did always it. Always amazing. Yeah. Yeah, always amazing. And we're, we're also going to touch upon um, a couple of stories around, obviously, Israel and Gaza. Um, we're going to talk about Charlotte Church, who uh, has had to deny being anti-Semitic after singing from the river to the sea. Um, so we can talk about that. And also the Prince of Wales, a story that's kind of running around this morning, that's sort of going up the news news uh, flow, is uh, Prince William pulling out of a memorial service due to personal matters. Now, once again, no one who claims to know what this is about will necessarily know what it's about, but I guess someone does somewhere. Um, uh, when I first told you this, you thought it was the king, didn't you? I was yeah, about. yeah, I thought it was the king. Yeah, but no, so Prince, Prince William has pulled out of a big memorial service for extended family members um, due to a personal matter. What do we think that could be? So where shall we start, Nad? Um, let's start, well, let's start with the news of this um, serving air, airman or marine? Airman, airman. yeah. I want to because we yeah. were, obviously, we were away when this happened. And, you know, with our regulars here, we knew <sighs> that this would actually be something that we would talk about. Has anyone what seen it? Can you let us know if you've seen the footage? Yeah, yeah. It, what we what we are still so shocked about, but also trying to work out why, because it might be down to all sorts of rules and regulations, why it hasn't been covered in the mainstream media at all. Well, it has, but it just hasn't been given huge prominence. I mean, if you look around, every I mean, every paper or online publication has covered it because of, I've seen. No, them. but on the on the on the telly, they haven't apparently. I think a part of that has might... anyone seen anything so that other people? Have well, Claire Smiley says she's not seen anything. I mean, I think my sense of it would be that it's an incredibly difficult thing to put on a television. I wonder if there's an Ofcom problem here in terms of putting it on. But as you... With the, because, it, yeah. Because of the extremity of the footage, and it's not even... It's like you... No, see, but you don't have to put the footage. You can... We're not going to put the footage. No, but does it not speak to the same thing of, I haven't seen one single news story about the scale of the atrocities against the Palestinians? No. On the I mainstream. Haven't. I mean, I literally haven't. And that's not being kind of uh, a bit awkward with the truth and a bit kind of self-serving. No, no I mean, scale. I... I, when you know what's actually happening out there, I haven't seen, and it's not even like we haven't seen it. We haven't heard them even refer to it with, whilst not showing it. Mm. I mean, Radio 4 do, I mean, now what's starting to come out of, of, of uh, Palestine are the photos of the children dying of starvation. And it was like I left a comment under under um, an Instagram post today saying, oh, oh my God, what is this the next phase of what we're going to witness? Because we've had on live stream, destruction of home schools, um, everything. Mm. Then we've watched, um, um, you know, the displacement of people over and over. We've watched it all live stream. And now the photos and the videos are starting to come through of children and babies dying of starvation. And it's like, oh, that's... And I thought, oh, is this the final stage now that we're going to now witness in live stream? And then I thought, well, actually, no, the, the final phase we're going to see is then the settlers moving into Gaza when they've cleared the rubble and they start building these homes for the settlers. And I think we're going to go right up to that. I think we're going to go right up to glitzy five-star hotels, put 
as the rubble is clear, put up, we're going to see all those homes looking out over the Gaza, over the sea on the Gaza Strip. I think, I fear we are going to get that far. And why am I saying all of that? The reason I'm saying all of that is we wanted to look a bit more closely into what possibly could have driven this person to do this absolutely horrific mm. thing mm. that no person should ever be taken to that place to do that. Um, and both of us, when we first saw it, Mark and I, we both said, oh, my God, the horrendous mental health crisis he must have been in. But then what you have to do is move to be wary, don't you, that you then don't dismiss what was happening to him psychologically before he did that. Now, it's the most extreme thing. And please, God, that nobody else would ever do anything like that. But if it speaks to the people that are feeling so powerless, because like I said, all of that has been live streamed. Any politician could now click on a button and see exactly what's been happened. The ICJ can click on a button and it's all there. Forget about the lawyers. It's all there, you know. And so was this, there's been a lot of people talking and have made us think, haven't it, over the last few days of people saying, we just, young people saying, we just feel so powerless and there is a genocide happening and we don't know what to do. Well, I mean, it's interesting because when this story broke, and I'm really pleased, a couple of people, Faith, you, you say it was featured on Saturday. One of the stories I have seen about it, weirdly, it's a bit meta, is the fact that the story has been reported, but what hasn't been reported very much, if at all, is why or what he was saying, which speaks to something that, much sorry, more... Sorry, that's so, what I meant. Yeah, I yeah, no, no, that. I think so. That's what I meant, yeah. And I think that in itself speaks to, again, so much of... Now, I put on on the Instagram story I posted this morning, I kind of had one of those moments where obviously I've just had my coffee and so my thoughts connected. Can I just pause Can you? I just, Is oh, that one of the rules that maybe they can't say that because they don't want to incite anybody else to do a similar thing because of the reason i think there is a i think i think there could be some i mean I, you know it would be great if some member of the uh, much vaunted journalistic establishment could maybe say do you know what the reason this doesn't be covered is because of da, 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 da. but no one seems to be interested in actually doing stories about the appalling state of journalism in this country. because when i hear but can I, just, like, I, I just want to say what, what i asked on, on on instagram which i would do here if we might on Streamyard, is is he a martyr for the cause or is he an example of mental health issues attaching to a crisis? Or does it speak to a widespread desperation to be heard? And when I heard this story, I had a number of conflicting thoughts. And I'd be really curious to know what your thoughts were, guys, whether they were the same. Because like you say, my first thought was one of, I don't know whether it's just because we're parents or parentally, I thought, oh, my God. Yes, this is not the way to deal with this. This is not a way to deal with this. I don't think it should be. And I get really, I don't know if anyone else feels this. I feel strangely uncomfortable with the use of the word martyr because I think anyone else saying that could nudge anyone else with a similar kind of, mm. I don't even want to call it mental health weakness, but obviously an emotional vulnerability. vulnerability. And I think emotional vulnerability is something not to be sniffed at or scoffed at or kind of marginalized. This guy clearly felt so profoundly troubled by this he essentially took his own life. And I can think of, we can think of many people, we've felt it ourselves at times, where nothing you can say, nothing you can do, and no element of our society 
allows for the articulation of what we're feeling or what's going on or a sense of the truth. And I think, you know, there, you know, there goes, you know, who, who can, who can say how far that goes for some people? And it's mm. obviously gone to a place which was deeply distressing for mm. this guy. I mean, this, this, this whole crisis has changed me. Fundamentally, it has changed who I am. Mm. And I've seen that in other members of my family. It has made me rethink my whole life. It's made me think in such a deep way about my father being an immigrant and coming here so many years ago and lots of separate things that I can think about. I've heard my dad say, and my dad is always so polite and so humble with people. And so it's fundamentally changed me and I will never get back. Mm. That's something that has been lost in me. Mm. And maybe this situation is with this poor man was that just like a hundredfold you know he was still serving in the military you know how able was he to talk about that because in a minute way that's what i feel most of my friends i can't talk to about how i'm feeling about this they don't know anything about it they're not interested in it you know after about a minute people's a lot of people's eyes glaze over you know what I mean and so I think if you're not feeling heard by politicians by friends by your group by your peers and you are very vulnerable but what's important is we just don't dismiss it totally as just oh it's a mental health situation mm. you know mm. and actually there was a video today on Instagram from another uh, I think it was an air woman wasn't it the USO woman she said I think there's going to be a lot more resistance within the military See, not not of that this sort. She wasn't saying that, but there's going to be a lot more. Well, I've resistance. got these. Do you want me to play the Instagram stringer? Uh, yes. Pull together. The, 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 this is just a brief uh, sort of pull together reel or something of, of, of people's TRT comments, news, I think. Uh, comments and opinions on on his death. I just want to say something else about this as well. Unfortunately, I think quite the opposite might actually happen as a consequence of what this poor chap felt he was doing, which is. All those, you're never going to convince, well, what this whole conflict has proved is if you're so sufficiently on one side of it that you can't see the humanity or inhumanity of what's going on in Palestine, then nothing is going to bridge that gap. I think most people are entrenched on either side of the equation. Still, I think I have the most respect for those people who were perhaps more entrenched on one side and then come to a middle ground where they want a shared solution for mm. both sides. I think that's that shows evolution and an ability to ask questions, think about things, adjust your opinions. And I've seen a few people do that. My only worry with this chap is, is that what he will do is he will um, allow those who want to dismiss the extremism of, you know, extremism of, of Hamas and the Palestinians and Islamists, you know, Islamist terrorists and extremists. They'll just see this as another example of that kind of uncontrollable mm. madness and a sort of... And so it will just be dismissed as, it's oh, so yeah, sad, well, he would be it? like that, wouldn't he? Because Look what he wanted, obviously, was people to talk about it. Yeah. To, 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 as, actually, there's a great line that one let of me, women Let me says, pop this up. ...that Aaron felt like he had to make the sacrifice. And that is on President Biden. A citizen of the United States, a member of the Air Force, came here and decided to, you know, tell his side of it. So he's not complicit in the genocide and he lit himself on fire. He is a martyr just like the rest of the Palestinians. Your sacrifice will not be forgotten. Your bravery will not be forgotten. The people of Palestine, thank you. We will honor all our martyrs! 
as a former member in the military, I'm feeling the same way that he feels inside watching a genocide take place. I am a Holocaust survivor, and it saddens me profoundly that a young man took his life to bring his message to the president. He was an incredibly brave, deeply moral man who's trying to stir the conscience of our country. And I hope that millions of Americans stand with him. You know, I think a lot of us here understand why he did what he did. A lot of us are feeling like we can't do anything about what's going on. And I don't think this is going to be the last of our military members um, resisting. I feel like there are many, many errands out there. Who's going to speak for them? Who's going to stop this from going further? I think that was it. He wanted to. Stir. I mean, nobody can know what he wanted, you know. But 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 I, I, that idea to stir the conscience of America. I thought that was a real. Yeah, stir the we, we, I mean, what are we doing whenever we talk? We're trying to stir the conscience. Yeah. Because if anyone, as soon as you have a conscience, I mean, the, the photographs now of the babies dying of starvation, if that, now we're at that point, we're at that point now. This is what the Palestinians are saying and the journalists there. What else can we show you? Mm. That you what else do we have to show you? How much worse can it be? to stir the conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, Christos, I just popped your, he did say, I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but when compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme. Yeah, that's what he all. said. Thank you, Christos. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do think, I'll tell you something that it does speak to, and I, I, and I think this is an unforgivable aspect of the West and the mainstream media in the West, is an inability to be either heard or if heard, only characterized as mad, bad, uh, hate marching. You know, the, the, the loaded language and the, dis, the, the, the total kind of inequality between the sort of emphasis put on Islamophobia versus anti-Semitism, the idea and the, and the justification, the weaponizing of words like ceasefire, the inability of our leaders to make a clear, humane decision the not stopping to not stopping selling arms to a country that even the ICJ has said is has a, there's a plausible chance that they're committing genocide. The fact that the UN yesterday, uh, a rapporteur reported for the UN yesterday, saying that Israel are now killing people in North Gaza through starvation. You know these acts of war aren't just bombing. They are also besieging. If you go into medieval history, sieges are the most hideous forms mm. of control. And the point that people always make, and this often pops up sometimes on the, on the comments, is Hamas broke the ceasefire. Let's look at what that ceasefire was prior to October the 7th. It was a ceasefire of sorts, which was heavily tilted in one direction that spoke to the privilege of one nation more than the other. So... You know, this is a strip of land, you know, Gaza, that has been essentially, if you look at the strict definition, I posted something recently, the strict definition of what a concentration camp is, this has been, they've been hemmed in without hope, without future, yeah, without control. War. And, you know, this extreme behavior, if you like, of this chap just speaks to, it's almost like, like that woman said, it stirs the consciousness of America. It speaks to a huge frustration 
amongst millions of people whose governments in no way are representing what they feel. Mm. I mean, that's the bit that I find absolutely but please staggering. God, there's nothing more like this. Please God, it's just well. Look, but look, I think we can all poor family. Oh my God, I know. Imagine. I mean, we can all take some comfort though from uh, President Biden, maybe in a in an ice cream shop. Oh, by the beginning of the weekend. I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. It's not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Oh, with an ice cream. With an ice cream in his hand, he said... Uh, by Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. He doesn't know what he's talking about. How are they going to have a ceasefire when you're sending so many arms every single day to them? And also the other, the other, the other big problem with this whole. Se- I, th- I do also think the word ceasefire and the, the the call for a ceasefire is beginning to become something it's that once we once we now. hit upon it, so say at some point a notional ceasefire is going to happen. That doesn't when mean. Dead. Well, well, also it doesn't mean that suddenly the situation is better. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to think ceasefire is called, and then people will be able to turn the page of their great big newspaper and go, okay, well let's push on. It's a ceasefire has been called. That's the beginning of a new horror of how the hell do they pull their you know lives together their their country together it's it's and and i think probably now i hate to say it my sense of it is if i was if i was giving my absolute this is personal not nadia's personal honest opinion on what's happening diplomatically in the world they are leaning on israel to say you've got to stop and if you stop now the uh, the eyes of the world will not be on you so much if there's a feeling that there's some kind of pause and ceasefire and as we're already seeing Israel is already sanctioning the building of more and more illegal settlements in more and more parts of the West Bank, and they're even suggesting Gaza now. What will happen is, I think the West will even be saying to them, look, let's just pull you off the top of the news agenda for a considerable amount of time, because this is what's historically happened in the past. Then everyone loses interest, everyone loses impetus. And I have to say, and I'm going to, it's important to say it, the surrounding Arab nations have been horrendously complicit in doing virtually nothing for the Gazans. I mean, really, really, absolutely nothing. I've seen lots of videos with the Palestinian children screaming into the video. When will you help us, Arabs of the world? When will you help us? Where's the brotherhood, huh? Hmm. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, okay. So, yeah. Um, Taylor Swift's dad has punched a paparazzi. Um, (laughs) It's terrible, isn't it? When you you hear these stories, the, the word paparazzi is so sort of, negative isn't it you sort of think well i'm sure he deserved it it's terrible isn't it i mean i just thought well good old thump in the face from a dad taylor swift's dad has been accused of punching photographer in the face after her sydney show she's just finished a seven-day tour in um australia they just got off a boat or from somewhere uh, and all that the police are saying is they haven't released names but everyone's kind of aware who it is an alleged assault by a 71 year old man on a 51 year old man at 2 30 a.m local time the suggestion was that there were various kind of people pushing and shoving who were going to kind of knock over some of Taylor Swift's kind of security team or personal team. Um, and her dad stepped in and it looks like he walloped one of the photographers. Good move. Because we don't know exactly what happened. He could have punched the wrong person. It could have been... You know, there they, they could be so many, and, and I'm sure it's, it's it, I mean, is he going to take, is he taking him to court? But I mean, just speaking on a wider, you know, in wider terms, first of all, do you remember last week when we were talking about this new craze of photog- 
people photographing girls out on the yeah. street without them knowing and yeah. then posting it. Hi, Mum. And hi, Di. And, um, you know, over the years, we've had lots of people, haven't we? Princess Diana, celebrities saying, imagine how you would feel, you know, if, if, if a pack of men were chasing you at night, coming into your personal space, maybe coming even into your garden, maybe even put cameras up. Mm. How would you feel? How terrifying do you think that is? Mm. I would always say, that sounds pretty bloody terrifying to me. Mm. And as I say, we've got no idea of the situation. Um, obviously, always, first of all, violence is, ne is never the right, right idea because he will probably get, Say, imagine that this paparazzi was completely in the wrong and was like, she was nervous, he was nervous, they'd had a whole day of it, he was pushed to the edge, her dad and her dad punched her. As human beings, one-to-one, -one, we can all understand, they can get pushed too much, and we're all madly protective of our own children. But unfortunately, if that's the case, he will be done. The no. dad will be done, won't he? Well, well, one thing that kind of struck me about this, let me just quote what the photographer says. In 23 years, I haven't been assaulted and punched in the chops. I haven't heard anyone use that phrase before, particularly by the talent's dad. We didn't go rushing down the jetty. We didn't go rushing to the back of the boat. We waited for her to come up, kept it very civil. I'll tell you what this... If that turns out to be true, there's huge trouble there. Yeah. Because you can't just go up to somebody and punch them in the face. No, and I think punching in the face is one thing. I, it reminded me, I've told you the story a few times, I don't know if I have you guys, but when I was at the Cannes Film Festival the first time we went, Robin Williams, as in the comedian and actor, he did a huge press conference. We were on the side door. I had a, I was part of the kind of press. And when we were there, the thing about Cannes, Reese, I'm sure you know this, is there are press packs everywhere. You know, you do your kind of scheduled interviews, but you're also kind of out there trying to get shots of everyone too. And this is, you know, we're talking many years ago here. But I remember as he came out of this kind of conference, press conference, I was one of two or three camera operators out there and we were just loose on the side street. And as they came out, I stepped forward, I lost my footing slightly and I stumbled forward and his security guard threw me, literally just smacked me and I landed on the front of the car. And I think in the Daily Mirror or something, there's a photograph of press scrum and you just see my ass and a camera yeah. kind of bouncing on the front of a car. And, you know, these these moments are quite, I mean, you've been, you know, that, that yeah. whole thing. Everybody's got their own perception of yes. those moments, haven't they? So for the, for the paparazzi, they could be referring to many other times when they've been screaming, careering after somebody. And, yes. oh, this is very tame. I mean, often uh, paparazzi will say things to, to, to agitate people. So he might have been standing there civilly. We don't know. We are literally just making this up as we go along. Um, it could have said something. To, standing yes. there civilly could have said something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, so, are, they are provocateurs yeah, in absolutely. the past, historically. They, you know, I mean, come on. If yeah. you're honest, perhaps, yeah. you like it when somebody grabs your camera or yeah. shouts or shoves because then you've got an extra photo. So it, it's, it's a dog's life, really, yeah, yeah, being yeah. a paparazzi. You are invading people's privacy all the time, running after them, you know, just, yeah. So, but on a, but, but. I like the part of the like story about parents doing stuff. Yes, but parents doing stuff and like, you know, um, Maddie said there was absolutely horrendous goings on out at the front of the house today between two cars, people jumping out, punching each other, reversed into the bus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and I said, there you see, that's, that's letting go of your anger, Maddie, and that is what's so dangerous. Cars have been smashed into, people have gone careering off at each other. You know, it's just like, that's just going to end up in a whole heap of worse trouble. Yeah. It's just like, 
you've got to try and contain yourself. Well, you've got to try and contain yourself, but there is something really nice sometimes. I mean, I never, you know, to have had a dad who would have kind of, I don't know, picked someone up and held them, held them across a yeah. room for you. I mean, you know, and, and that's why, Mum, you'll, you'll know this story well, but, I, you know, I'll never forget Lee, my mom, one of my mum's uh, early girlfriends, um, you know, coming down the school and grabbing a guy who'd been really horrible and pinning him up against the... I remember standing there getting that first flush of, oh, someone's fighting my battle. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Johannes, who we had on Loose Women the other day, you know, from Strictly, told a fantastic story of that, of his aunt just... He'd had he'd had a couple of years of this boy putting his head down the toilet and it was just awful. Oh. It was just so horrendously, horrendously bullied. And, um, and then he goes home one day and he said, I was actually smelling of the toilet hmm. and uh, his ma- his aunt was like that's it because she put her flip-flops on he said and just strode down to the school it reminded me a bit of your yeah, story yeah, 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 yeah. and just p- called this guy out and went nuts but no physical you see that's oh, but- the thing once you go physical you're in trouble because you can be then done so she and he said you know that was it it was done and it was like the best thing. And I think because the whole discussion we were having on Loose Women was, have we all got just a bit too careful mm. when our child comes home and says they're bullied? You know, yes, we can't have a punch up. Yes, we can't do all these things that we feel we want to do. But should we intervene more? We too often say, oh, we mustn't intervene. It's going to make it worse for our kids. It will be terrible. I, t- I totally disagree. You see, and I think dads and mums fall into different categories. Uh, Christopher Cundall says, I think personally her dad was just being there for his daughter. It was 3.30am. Mm. She's just finished a massive leg of the tour and was just wanted to get back to her hotel. I agree. I, but dads and mums, I, I think, have slightly... I understand it, but I think he's put himself in a position where he could get... He's vulnerable. He's vulnerable. But you see, my line, I, I, I want to talk about... Because they'll go to town on it. I don't perhaps. want to talk about specifics, but I remember years ago, me thinking, no, on the in this instance, I'm going to take direct action with this bullying scenario. So I'm going to pick up the phone, I'm going to talk to the mother, and I'm going to say, your little Johnny is, is, a, is, a, is a little evil fucker. Uh, I didn't say it like that, but I was like, can you just, you know, look, at the end of the day, have you stopped to think that maybe your child lies to you? But they, but you'll never get a yes. I didn't Everyone get a yes. Everyone always sticks up yes. to their little darlings. Nothing ever changes. There's a great line in a book I've just read where someone says, every parent thinks their children are perfect. But then look out in the world, you know, everyone who isn't perfect, someone somewhere thinks they're perfect, mm. you know. So it's, it is all in the eye of the beholder. Uh, Laura Lou, my mum was super shy and would never hurt anyone. But when I was being bullied, she told me she'd give the girl bullying me the evil eye stare. She never bothered me again. Oh, Laura Lou. Mm. When microaggressions could be useful as yeah. a parent. Because that's how a lot of bullies bully, don't they, with yeah. Okay, and finally, we're summing up now. Um, as we say, what do people think about the Prince of Wales? But this is pure speculation, and one could argue it's a terrible thing to speculate. But um, it, it's a news story that is literally everywhere. Prince the of speculation Wales, is going to go on and on and on, isn't it, about this? This is the problem with not putting out enough yes, information, I, do you I, think? I feel... So I just think, to clarify, Prince mm, of Wales pulls out of memorial service for late King of Greece due to personal matter. Camilla is still going. This is a curious detail. Now, so if it was an issue I'd have thought with Charles, suddenly, um, Camilla wouldn't wouldn't be going. I think the royals are in this really difficult transitional period here, and they're trying to work it out, where they're trying to give more information, but obviously still have their privacy. Yeah. It's very, very difficult because... Now the speculation is going to be insane. Yeah. Especially after they didn't say what had happened to Kate, what was Kate's mm. medical thing. Mm. And there's been so much speculation. She was a long time in hospital, you know, it suggests a big operation. And 
And now he says for a personal matter, so everybody's going to be thinking it's something to do with Kate, where it might not be at all. He might have a migraine. But they, so you're in this, but they're it, it, they're in this terrible kind of like you say, sort of a bind, aren't they? Of giving too much away, yeah. giving not enough away, and then speculation is right. Because a personal matter, we never hear that. No, never from the royals. Never, which is why it's you know he be could something. say a schedule mess up. But mm. he said a personal matter because they're trying to do that thing where they don't tell fibs mm. because the fib they don't want fibs to be found out. But I just I just feel it's just gonna it's just gonna keep causing more and more smoke. But Edward Bevington's saying, could it just be a migraine? Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It could be that. Or a dicky tummy. Be, says it could be anything. It could be that his his children have had a bad day and they're yes. just. It could be anything, but. It is the speculation his... will not stop now. But it's a big Kate. deal. It is his. I think it's his godfather. Is it his godfather, the, the, the king who died or the prince that died? I, I, I'm pretty certain it was his godfather. Uh, he's pretty significant. So, yeah, of course, speculation will be rife. But what it will do, it will burn out. Yeah. The, the, the royal, the, they won't say anything more, or maybe they will, because they're still trying to learn this new way of communicating, yeah, aren't they? And maybe uh, they will. Yeah. I don't know. But um, yeah, child I just Kabil. hope they're all all right. Chalkabeel. I think they've had a pretty shit year. They have, haven't they? Mm. Okay, guys, well, it's nice to be back. It's lovely to see you. Sorry we're a bit sniffly. I'm certainly a bit sniffly. Yeah, Um, I feel ghastly. But look, we'll see you again tomorrow, um, and stuff will be landing, starting to land on the channel, lots and lots of it. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled, and have a lovely day, guys. So nice to catch up with you all. Mm.